during a series of studying on fulfilling God's purpose for your life. There are two more messages that we need to cover and then to complete. God's an amazing God. Amen. Now it's really exciting to live for God in this day, in this hour. It's really exciting to let God be God in our lives. And allow God to take us uh, into the plan and the purpose He has for us. It's really exciting to live for something higher, bigger than ourselves. To live for a heavenly call, to live for a heavenly purpose. And the wonderful thing about God is this, that you know, as we, as we give ourselves to God and say, God, you work in my life, you work through my life. God unfolds His plan for us in such amazing ways. Amen? He takes us through life and He unfolds things. He begins to open up things. He begins to bring in people into our lives. He turns situations, circumstances around. He sets things up for us and just helps us move forward in what He has planned and purpose for our lives. It's, it's, it's exciting to live for God. Amen? Tell a neighbor it's exciting. You don't sound excited. God has a plan and a purpose for every person. Amen? He's got a plan. He's got a purpose for your life. You're not an accident waiting to happen. You're God's dream waiting to be fulfilled. God has places He wants you to go. He's got people He wants you to touch. He's got things He wants you to do. He's got lives that He wants you to touch for His kingdom's sake. Amen? Life on earth has a tremendous meaning when you lock into His purpose for your life. There is no higher purpose, no better, no greater adventure, no greater satisfaction than to live to fulfill the purpose of God for your life. This is the, this is the life. Amen? Tell a neighbor, this is the life. Now, as you and I go about fulfilling the purpose of God for our life, we need to understand that there is a price to pay. Amen? It's exciting it's the best life to live. But there's a price. It's not always going to be easy. Now some of us, we don't want to do anything with this word called suffering. That's for my neighbor, not for me. We don't want to do anything with this world word called sacrifice. But the truth is, if you want to live for God, and you want to fulfill His plan, His purpose, and become everything God, has want, God wants you to be, there is a place and a time for suffering. A place and a time for sacrifice. A life for God is not void of these things. We're not devoid of these things. The fulfilling of God's purpose for your life will cost you something. I'm chapter 5, page 47. Jesus said in Luke, the 14th chapter, 27th verse, He said, and whoever does not bear his cross after me, his cross and come after me, cannot be my disciple. So if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus, there's one thing that will be a part of your life. And what is it? Thank you. One person is listening. <laughs> if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus and you're going to follow him, there's one thing that will always be a part of your life. What is it? The cross. He said, you've got to take your cross. In fact, he said, you've got to take your cross daily. Every day of your life as a disciple involves carrying the cross. Don't go on a vacation and say, Jesus, give me 30 days off. 
I'll come back and then you continue carrying the cross. It's not like that. Every day of our lives, we carry the cross. We are following Jesus and pursuing His plan for our life. Now, the cross is a place of suffering. It's a place of separation. It's a place of sacrifice. The cross denotes these three things. A place of suffering, a place of sacrifice, a place of separation. On the cross, Jesus was crucified. It wasn't an easy thing. It was a place of suffering. It's also a place of separation. Paul said in Galatians 6.14, he said, God forbid that I should glory except in the cross of my Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. So the entrance of the cross into our lives does this thing. It separates us from the world. Amen. We are in the world, but the world is crucified to me. The world is dead to me. Meaning, the world does not attract me anymore. I don't want to be a superhero in the world. That's not my intent. Amen? The world is crucified unto me. And I am crucified unto it. I'm dead to the world. There's nothing in me that the world can desire for. I'm pulled apart. I'm dead to it. The world's dead to me. It's because the cross has come into my life. It's a place of separation. The cross separates us from the world. The cross is also a place of sacrifice. It's a place of sacrifice. Where Sacrifice means two things. It means you give up something you have a right to. Sacrifice could also mean you take on something you don't have to. Amen. You know, all the teens and 20s who came to help us yesterday, they didn't have to do it. They didn't have to do it. But they took on something they didn't have to. They made a sacrifice. Amen? I mean, they could have been in Forum Mall. <laughs> uh, they could have gone with their friends somewhere. They could have been sitting at home watching the football game or whatever. They could have done a lot of other things. But they took on something they didn't have to. They made a sacrifice. So sacrifice involves two things. It's giving up something you have a right to. It also involves taking on something you don't have to. Sacrifice. Paul said in Philippians 3.7, he says, What things were gained to me, I counted loss for Christ. I could have held on to these things. Paul could have become the next Gamaliel. Paul could have gone on to be a great scholar. He could have done a lot of things on his own, lived his own life. But what things were gained to him, he said, I've laid it down for the cause of Christ. Sacrifice. Jesus said, you know, in John 12, 24 to 26, he said, Unless a grain of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it produces much grain. He who loves his life will lose it. And he who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. If anyone serves me, let him follow me. And where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, him my father will honor. You now if you live, if we live a self-centered life, like that grain of wheat that wants to contain itself, you will remain alone. But if you're willing to die, fall into the ground and die, Jesus said, you will bear much fruit. The pathway to fruitfulness is always 
death. Amen? Pardon me? Yes or no? The pathway to fruitfulness is always death. Every time you die, you're getting ready for a resurrection. No, we all want the resurrection. We don't, don't want death. God, give me the resurrection power. Jesus says, if you will die to self, you will see it. Amen? We want the resurrection, but you can't have a resurrection without death. Every time we die to self, we are preparing our, we're getting ready to bear much fruit. Every time you make a sacrifice, it will lead you on to greater fruitfulness in the kingdom of God. Amen? So we must understand that in, in fulfilling the call of God on our lives, sacrifice, the cross, the sacrifice, suffering, separation, is, 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 a, is an inherent part of this journey. It's part of this journey. Tell a neighbor, it's part of the journey. Now, it's not, you know, it's not like, God, I'm going to fulfill God's purpose for my life, so I will never experience any suffering or any sacrifice or any separation from the world. It cannot be. The cross is a daily thing. It's part of your life. It's part of my life as a Christian. Amen? Now, when you talk about sacrifice, we need to understand some things. Uh, there are, I've classified this this way. There are two kinds of sacrifices. There are daily sacrifices and there are life sacrifices. Daily sacrifices and life sacrifices. Let's talk about the daily sacrifice. You know, we're called to carry a cross daily, which means... Every day, we have opportunities to sacrifice for the sake of Jesus Christ. Take, for example, if you're working in an office and it's Friday evening, it's happy hour, 6 to 8 p.m. at the bar. So everybody just marches on to the bar. Happy hour. They get depressed. And you join the crowd for the happy hour. And everybody orders beer and everything else. And they come to you. What do you like? Say Pepsi. <laughs> or you know. You order fresh lime soda. Something like that. And then. You know. You do that a few times. And then people begin to look at your beer. What's wrong with you? Haven't you grown up? Still drinking Pepsi. But. And then you know what happens. This kind of brings. Uh, uh, the people begin to look at your beer. Because. You don't drink the adult stuff. Or supposedly adult stuff. You only drink Pepsi. You only drink fresh lime soda, whatever, you know. And then they can look at your beer. And soon you find out that they've appointed you as the high priest of the office. And, uh, and they're going to call you names and, and all kinds of things. So for the sake of Christ, you're suffering some amount of reproach. I'm not saying it's going to be big. I don't know. It varies. But sometimes, you know, it, it, these are points where you have to make sacrifice. Amen? Because of your decision to follow Christ. It's a daily sacrifice. It's not something so big like giving up your job and disappearing into the wilderness somewhere. But yet, it's a daily thing. Or take, for example, on your job, your boss comes and tells you to do something wrong. And you say, boss, everything else except this. What's wrong with you? He says, sir, you know, this is because it's not right. I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. 
boss turns away, and from then on, you're closed. He always walks past your cabin to the person next door. You wonder, what did I do wrong? You just stood up for what you believed. Amen? It's a daily sacrifice. Every day you're going through it. Every day you're experiencing the consequences of you standing up for your faith in Christ. And maybe the boss overlooks you for promotion. Maybe you don't get your raise on time simply because you are not, going, you're not, you are not willing to oblige him when he asked you to do something that was not of righteousness. A daily sacrifice. But you know what we don't realize? Sometimes we think it's such a little thing, you know. What if I just lie a little bit? It's okay. What if I just, you know, do a little grumpy? It's okay, you know, after all, God will forgive me. I'll go Sunday morning. I'll say, God, I'm sorry. But you know, these little things are so important in helping us move forward in the call of God. These little things matter. These little things are very important if we are going to move forward in what God has called us to do. In 1 Corinthians 15, verses 30 to 33, Paul says, And why do we stand in jeopardy every hour? I affirm by the boasting in you which I have in Christ Jesus our Lord, I die daily. I die daily. Every day his life is in danger. Every day there are people who would come after him to persecute him. Every day his life is at risk. Why? For the cause of Christ. I die daily. But also means he's got a resurrection every day. It also means there's, there's fruitfulness, ever-increasing fruitfulness in his life. Because every day he's dying. Amen. I die daily. So daily sacrifices could be things that separate you from, uh, uh, could be doing things that will separate you from the unnecessary things. Choosing not to do things that others, your peers, may be doing. Now you're a teenager. Friends say, hey, let's go to the mall. You go to the mall. They all hang out, you know, right on about level number two. Look down at the girl. <laughs> oh, look at that girl. And, you know, and uh, their English vocabulary has uh, the normal English plus appendix one, appendix two, appendix three. With all the two-letter words, the three-letter words, the four-letter words, all there. But they don't hear any of these words coming out of your mouth. And they look at you strange. What's wrong, man? What's wrong with you? Don't you speak English? He said, I speak English, but those words are not in my dictionary. And they turn around. They tell him, man, doesn't she look cool? No reaction from you. And you don't join them in that Wrong type of fun. Amen. What are you doing? You're dying daily. You're sacrificing for the sake of Jesus Christ. You choose to keep yourself pure for the sake of Christ. It's a daily sacrifice. In 1 Corinthians 9, the 20, verses 24 to 27, Paul says, Do you not know that those who run in a race all run? But only one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. 
and everyone who competes with a prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown, but we for an imperishable. Therefore I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. But I discipline my body and bring it into subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should become disqualified. You know, it's very interesting to see here that Paul compares to living the Christian life to that of an athlete. He says, they run to obtain a perishable crown, but we are running, that means we are also in a race, to obtain an imperishable crown, a crown that's going to last forever. And then he says, you know, that whoever uh, competes, athlete, he's temperate in all things, meaning he's got every area of his life, or at least during the time when they are competing, they have it all in control. There are no loose ends in his life. I mean, this, this is a tremendous example. Think about those little gymnasts. Those 8-year-old, 9-year-old, 10, 12-year-old gymnasts. I mean, we don't have too many of them in India, but, you know, you think of them from Russia and other places. These little girls, they make them train so hard. Do you know that they're not even allowed to eat ice cream? Why? Because they're working for a crown. All the other kids their age, three for helping with ice cream. But these little gymnasts, I mean, they're like 10 years old. It's a time when they're going to, when they could have a lot of fun outside like the rest of the kids. But they are under such a strict diet. They spend, you know, several hours a day practicing their, uh, their routines and all of that. Why? Why? For just one thing. They hope they can get the No loose ends in their life. Very different from kids their age, but who are not in that same pursuit. And Paul said, being a Christian is like being, is like being, being like that athlete. Our life has to be in such control, in such discipline. In fact, we are going after a higher crown. We're going after something that's imperishable. Amen? Therefore, there are no loose ends in my life. Everything in my life has to be under complete control. I have to be temperate in all things. Everything in order in my life. Because we are pursuing. We are running a race and going after a crown. A prize that is far greater in value than the athlete who competes in the race. Another place, the Bible compares the, the, the Christian to a soldier. Amen? The life of a soldier is very different from that of the civilian. A civilian can wake up at 11 o'clock in the morning. Hey, soldier, wake up at 5.30. Do your five kilometers. Go through all the drills. Get ready for the day. Amen? Nobody's worried. I mean, the civilian is not worried. You know, what, what he does in life. But the soldier is under strict discipline. And that's the kind of life he's supposed to live. In Romans 12, Paul tells us that we are to make or give our bodies as a living sacrifice unto God. You know, a dead sacrifice sometimes is very much easier than a living sacrifice. Amen? 
That sacrifice, you've got to meet God right there. Wonderful. Amen? But a living sacrifice, you're going through day after day. You're enduring this. It's a living sacrifice. You're presenting your body day after day. And God needs that. He needs us to be a living sacrifice. So there are daily sacrifices. This is part of our Christian life. To live a life fully consecrated God. To live a life that is committed to the Lord. Now there are life sacrifices. Life sacrifices are things that happen at certain times and points in our life, but they are of far greater mag mag magnitude than the daily sacrifices. The daily sacrifices are small and yet are very important. Don't mistake me. But there are also points in our life, in our journey with God, when God will say, I'm asking you to take this step, a very big step. For Abraham, for example, God said, Abraham, get up out of your father's land and go off to a country I'm going to show you. Now Abraham could have said, God, what do you mean? Bless me in my own country, God. I mean, all you want is a big nation. You can have a nation right here, God. Bless me in my own land. My father's here. All my uncles and aunts and cousins, everybody are here. You're telling me to go to a land that I don't know even of. How can it be? But no. The call of God was on his life. He had, for him to become a great nation, he had to obey God. He had to go. Same thing with Moses. He was raised up in Pharaoh's palace. Wonderful. He could have become the next king. A great, an entire empire under, uh, under him. But when it came to his heart and understood that God had raised him up for such a time as this, he had a choice to make. He could choose the riches of Egypt or the reproaches of God's people. And he chose to suffer reproach for the sake of Christ. Amen. Life sacrifices are turning points. Meaning, you, make a, you have to make a decision and you can't turn back. These are decisions that drastically alter your life. And God will bring us to those turning points in life, those life decisions. Some of it could be involved, for example, relocating geographically or relinqu relinquishing a job and so on for the sake of the kingdom of God. And history is full of these examples. Hudson Taylor went off to China. William Carey came all the way to India, translated the Bible, I think, in 16 languages. These portions of the Bible in 16 languages. Why did he have to do it? I mean, he could have been happy in his hometown, have a good life, but he chose to come and do something for the kingdom of God. Amen? David Livingston went to Africa. And he could have had his own practice in his own home place. But he chose to make a difference in the kingdom of God by making a life sacrifice. God will call us in our hands. Amen. Very quiet. A couple of things I want to talk about now. I want to talk about the difference between spirit-led sacrifices versus fleshly sacrifices. Now, it's so important that when we make a sacrifice, that it has to be led by the Spirit of God. Amen? 
You know, sometimes we foolishly do things which we think we are sacrificing to God, and God says, I didn't ask for it. Amen? And, and, and you know, you can find many examples of this. You find this person, he says, you know, I gave up my full-time, I gave up my job to go into full-time ministry. It's wonderful. And you get, look at the details a little bit more closely. When he had his job, he had to get up 5 o'clock in the morning. Now full-time ministry gets up at 10 o'clock. And he called it a sacrifice. Excuse me. There's no sacrifice in this. Amen. So, and, and then you see like, you know, that nothing's happening. You know, he said, I gave up my job. I gave up this. But where is fruitfulness and nothing? Listen, if God called you to sacrifice, there will be the result of the sacrifice. There will be fruitfulness. If you're not seeing fruitfulness, that means it's a sacrifice that is fleshly and flesh cannot give birth to fruits. It was not a born of the Spirit. And so you run around so many people. They, they, they say, I gave up this, I gave up that. And you're not seeing the fruit of their sacrifice. And you can put your finger on one thing. It was a fleshly sacrifice, not asked by God, but initiated by their own self. Thinking that they're going to please God by doing that. It's a fleshly sacrifice. And what's born of the flesh is flesh. What's born of the spirit is spirit. It's the spirit who gives life. The flesh is not profit. So when you make a fleshly sacrifice, there will be no profit to anybody, not even to your own self. But when you make a sacrifice led by the spirit, it's going to profit something. It's going to bring life to people around you. Amen. You know, uh, growing up, I probably shared this testimony with you. You know, growing up, I... Uh, I, uh, I remember once, uh, I, there came a time in my life when, uh, uh, and as a young boy, I wasn't so educated, I didn't know so many things, but I just, came, I just felt, you know, going to movies is wrong. I felt going to the theater is sin. All right? I'm not saying it is, but that's what I thought. Going to the theater is not sin, it depends on what you watch in the theater. Amen? Moving along. <laughs> because you can sit at home and watch dirty stuff. And you say, oh, I don't go to the Big deal. What do you watch at home? <laughs> you know. Anyway, there was a time in my life, you know, I thought that going to the theater was wrong. I admitted this, I will never go to a movie theater. I know one day, you know, my parents picked me up from school. Uh, I was told that I finished my football games or 6 o'clock in the evening, they picked me up from school. They said, you know, Sam, we're going to go to a movie at Rex Theater. And so my dad and uh, dad and mom, sister and I, were in the car, we came into Rex, car parts. I said, Dad, I'm not coming. I'm not coming because I was this rigidly righteous young man. I had made a decision. I will never get into a movie theater because it was sin. I'm not coming. I was so stubborn that my dad gave me the keys and money for the auto and I took the auto home, went home, and I spent those two hours in prayer. Now, I thought I was making a sacrifice for God. It's a good thing. Good. And from then on, whenever they went to a movie, they bought only three tickets. Because they knew Ashes will not come with us for the movie. Whether it's Jungle Book or Noble Book, any book, he will not come. <laughs> Now, so on the one hand, I was, you know, I'm not saying that, you know, that particular thing of not going to the movie theater was, you know, was the right thing or it made me any more spiritual. 
But the fact is, every time they went to the movie, I had two to three hours by myself at home. I locked the door and said, Hallelujah, God, I'll spend the time in prayer, seeking God. Amen. For me, that was a daily sacrifice, a sacrifice I could make. It wasn't some big thing, it wasn't life sacrifice, but it was a sacrifice I could make that helped me move forward with God. Even though that little thing about going to the theater, not going to the theater, may not, you know. But I chose to do that. Amen. And just for your information, I have been to the theater since that time. <laughs> just so that you don't go out there and think, oh, my pastor doesn't go to the theater. And you see me coming out of the theater and say, what happened? <laughs> just to clear the record. The point is, it's not whether you go into the theater or not. It's what you watch. It's not whether you go into a bar or not. It's what you drink over there. Amen? So, now, just, so I, as I was growing up, I was beginning to understand I, I needed to make sacrifices for the sake of the kingdom of God. But then, you know, I took it to an extreme where I began to do things which were really fleshly sacrifices, really not asked by God. I remember one particular year, I was in the Methodist church at that time. And that particular year, we had the vacation Bible school. And uh, I forgot the theme of that. I forget the theme of that year, of the VBS that year. But it was a VBS where we learned about the lives of many missionaries. You know, David Livingston and uh, all the others. We learned about Sadhu Sundar Singh, the apostle of the bleeding feet. He used to walk bare feet out to preach the gospel. Why didn't he wear shoes? I don't know. But he was known as the apostle of the bleeding feet. He used to walk barefoot and there would be a trail of blood when he walked to preach, to preach the gospel, the gospel in different places. So I was really inspired by all these things. And I remember, you know, I, I used to go and visit my aunt. I had an aunt living in Wilson Garden uh, in those days. So I used to go visit my aunt over there. And in my aunt's place close by, there was a poor beggar woman. You know, she used to come by, she'd get some food and all that. And I, used, I had compassion towards her. And I remember going there one day right after this VBS and uh, uh, I saw that she was not wearing slippers. So I decided to make a sacrifice. So I took out my pair of slippers, gave it to her. And like this great missionary, I walked. <laughs> I walked barefoot from Wilson Garden all the way back to Richmond Town Methodist Church. Now avoiding all the spit on the ground and felt like the apostle of the bleeding feet. <laughs> Just waiting to see if any blood will come down. And, and you know, I went back there and of course got home in the car and everything else. Two days later, go back, see the lady, she's not wearing her slippers. What happened? She must have sold it somewhere, got some money. So really, that's an example of a fleshly sacrifice. Wasn't initiated by God, was all motivated by self, wanting to please God through the works of the flesh. Remember, the Bible says, All our righteousness is as the righteousness we try to attain through the works of our own works are still filthy rags before God. Amen. So, you know, it really didn't mean anything. I thought I was making a big sacrifice. It wasn't asked by God. A fleshly sacrifice. So we got to be careful that when we sacrifice, we understand that it's really initiated by the Lord. There are lots of people suffering and they say, we did this in the name of Christ. But really, that suffering is not a God ordained. 
It is self-motivated. Thinking that I can do something to please the heart of God or impress God by my sacrifice. Now Jesus, uh, Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 3 that our works are going to be tested by fire. In 1 Corinthians 3, 12 and 15, whatever is wood, hay and stubble will be burned. Whatever is of the flesh will be burned. Sacrifices that we think have been so great but were initiated by the flesh will not stand that test of fire. Amen? So we must really understand what kind of sacrifice we're making. The price that God wants you to pay may not be the same price that God is calling somebody else to. Just because the person sitting next to you resigned their job for the sake of the kingdom, it doesn't mean that you have to resign your job. In fact, you'll be more useful to the kingdom of God if you stayed with your job than if you gave it up. Amen? There are so many people leaving the workplace. We need Christians desperately in the workplace to make a difference for the kingdom of God. Amen? If you leave your workplace and everybody comes to the seminary, excuse me, who's going to be there to preach the gospel in the place of work where, where the people are? Amen? So you must really understand, what has God called me to do? Don't do something somebody else is doing. You must know what God has called you to do and pay your price with joy. Just because you pay your price, please don't let others suffer with you. Amen? You carry your cross. Please don't put your cross on somebody else's shoulders. Pay your price with joy. In closing, I just want to help us understand the difference between giving up and taking on. You go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Oh, it's very, very warm in here. I don't want to Air conditioning. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses, it's out from verse 1. Paul said, Am I not an apostle? Am I not free? Have I not seen Jesus Christ our Lord? Are you not my work in the Lord? If I am not an apostle to others, yet doubtless I am to you. For you are the seal of my apostleship in the Lord. My defense to those who examine me is this. Do we have no right to eat and drink? Do we have no right to take along a believing wife? As do also the other apostles, the brothers of the Lord, and keep us. Or is it only Barnabas and I who have no right to refrain from working? Whoever goes to war at his own expenses, who plants a vineyard and does not eat of its fruit, or who tends a flock and does not drink of the milk of the flock? Now Paul is talking about two things here. He says, you know, don't we have a right to take on a believing wife? A what wife? Let me hear you again. A what kind of wife? Okay, don't say any wife, a believing wife. So Paul says, you know, we have a right to marry a believer. But he says, I chose not to exercise that right. He, didn't, he chose not to get married. On the other hand, he says in verse 6, do we not have a right to refrain from working? Meaning, we are preaching the gospel. So the Bible does definitely say, as it goes on later in the chapter, and those who preach the gospel have a right to live up the gospel. So he said, we have a right to refrain from working, but although we have a right to refrain from working, we have taken on the responsibility to work. So, you know, Paul worked for himself and for his team members. So on the one hand, he gave up his right to get married, but on the other hand, he took on the responsibility to work for his own self, to support himself and his, his team members for the sake of the kingdom of God. Amen? So you see here both, 
kinds of sacrifices. On the one hand, he gave up his right to be married, giving up something for the sake of the kingdom of God. On the other hand, he took on responsibility. I'll wear what I can say. He took on Both are a sacrifice. Amen? So understand this, that as we go about fulfilling the purpose of God for our lives, there will be times and there will be points of sacrifice that we have to make for the sake of the call in our lives. It's not going to be easy, but it's necessary. It's part of the call. Amen? Let's all up to our feet. I'll take a few moments of prayer. I just standing here this morning. I want you to pray and say, God, you know, I'm ready to make a sacrifice. It's not easy because when you make a sacrifice, there's pain involved. Giving up something that you have a right to. Or you're taking on something you don't have to. It's a sacrifice. But sacrifice is the hard way to put things in life. You can't be fruitful if you don't die. You can't have a resurrection without death. So as you're standing here this morning, think about the daily sacrifices that you could be making so that you can be more perfectly aligned to the will of God for your life. Maybe you've compromised. Instead of sacrificing, you've just given in to the situation. If you're standing up for righteousness, you've compromised with unrighteousness on a daily basis. But this morning you can say, God, I'm going to clean up my life. I'm willing to have some daily sacrifices going in my life. On the other hand, maybe some of you are standing here this morning and God, is, God has been talking to us about certain things where, which are life sacrifices. You may have a right to it, but God is saying, I want you to let it go. I want you to do something else. Maybe a giving up or maybe a taking on. But it's a life sacrifice. And say, Lord, I'm willing to do it. I want you to pray and say, yes, Father. I'm ready. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.